Hi, everyone. This is David Cohen, and I'm here with my amazing co-host, Brad Feld. Hey, Brad. And this is the Give First podcast. And in the startup world, Give First means simply trying to help anyone, especially entrepreneurs, without any expectation of getting anything back. So we'll be talking to mentors and founders about what Give First looks like in action and how it makes great entrepreneurship possible. We polled everyone and they said consistently that their favorite part of the show was the legal mumbo jumbo. So here it is. The following discussion is an expression of personal opinion and does not represent the opinion of Techstars or any company we discuss. Our conversations for informational purposes only, including any mention of securities or funds. This is not legal business investment or tax advice and is not intended for use by any investor. Certain of Techstars funds own or may own in the future securities in some of the companies discussed in this podcast. Got it? Today on Give First, I have an old friend that catching up with is going to be a lot of fun. It's Rob with Jess who's joining. Hey, Rob. Hello. It's good to talk to you again. You know, I have an awesome job to do this podcast because sometimes I get to speak to military veterans. Sometimes I get to speak to mayors. Sometimes I get to speak to medics and authors and people who are high up in publicly traded companies. And sometimes even people who built fundamental technologies in the world like Wi-Fi. It's rare that I get to do all of those on one podcast. (laughs) That's a quick summary of your background, I think. Wow, it sounds impressive when you put it all together. But everything I've accomplished... People have pushed me forward. I owe so much thanks to teammates, bosses, employees, competitors. It's been great. Let's cover a little bit of your background, maybe a condensed life story of how you ended up in all of those different roles, because that's pretty unique about you. You've had so many different experiences in your life, but maybe walk us through as quickly as you can, just a summary of your career as, as it's unfolded. So I've got five brothers, first off, so... Getting a parent paid for a college education was out of the question. So out of high school, I joined the Navy and became a combat medic. Stationed with the Marine Corps for quite some time, but went back to school through the military and became a neonatal respiratory therapist. That was really my college education that almost five years I spent in the Navy. And then I don't really understand why I did this, but I bought a print shop repair business when I was 24 or 25. I didn't know anything about printing equipment, but I was always a tinkerer. So that was my first quote-unquote startup, although it was a pre-existing business. And I sold it after two years and put six figures in my pocket and thought I'd never have to work again. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I also married an army nurse. So I moved around a lot as part of an army family. And that's where I became a mayor in Hawaii. We lived there for three years. And I was a community mayor for a a large military base. So that was fun and educational. But somewhere in between there, I taught myself how to program computers and got a job with an engineering firm called Child Systems. I actually thought I was interviewing at a daycare headquarters. (laughs) Yeah, it turns out to be a dozen engineers who helped invent computing for Data Point Corporation here in San Antonio. And we went on over 10 years to literally help invent Wi-Fi. I wrote most of the test code and created the first Wi-Fi software quality assurance team and really never left tech again after that and did my own consulting thing for a while. And then I met the founders of Rackspace who wanted my help as they built up their software division to do cloud computing. And that's 
how I met you was through that position. I applied for the very first Techstars, which is funny. 2007, I guess that was. Yeah, and I was working with a partner in Iraq. We were at war in Iraq, so it didn't really work really well, which is why probably you guys wisely didn't choose us. But through my work at Rackspace, I got the opportunity to attend Techstars in Boulder a few times, been to Techstars in other places as well. Now I'm quote-unquote semi-retired, and I do a little bit of consulting, but mostly I do mentorship. I'm a mentor through Capital Factory and try to do four hours a month of mentoring with new startups. Earlier stage, the better for me. I really feed off the energy of people with bright ideas. And I know you've mentored in a lot of Techstars locations as well and been highly rated in that. And I think you have a way of just being direct and sort of getting to the issue. and. I know you love helping those early stage entrepreneurs. In fact, I think your Twitter handle is Be Helpful, if I remember right. Yes. Why do you love that so much? What is it about mentoring and giving first in that way that you find so fun? There's something about certain people. Like I went into healthcare for a reason, right? It's helping people. And even though I left healthcare because it didn't pay worth a darn, I still fundamentally have that it's not a desire, it's a need to help people. And even when I was at Rackspace, I would hire people from the hospitality industry. We could teach them tech, right? I can't teach empathy. I can't teach compassion. So literally once we were at an offsite event and the bartender was so helpful, he was so attentive. I gave him my business card and said, you know, call me. You should be working for us. Three months later, we're in the office at a what we call open book and all hands meeting. And I was going to be a speaker. So I was in the front row. And before the meeting started, this guy taps me on the shoulder and says, you probably don't remember me, but I used to be a bartender. He applied at Rackspace and we hired him as a customer service manager. So I think there's just something built into certain people where their reward is being helpful. And that's always how I've felt most rewarded. We talk about give first, and I think you see some people that sort of give in more transactional ways, you know, that, hey, I'll help you out and help me out with something I'm working on. You've always been a great example of someone that doesn't think that way. And I think there's real magic in it, right? It's just... It, it always comes back somehow magically, right? You and I talking today, when I met you, I didn't have any expectations. Well, it's good because I, I'm sure I met that easily. So. Over the years, though, I mean, our paths haven't physically crossed much, but... They've crossed in interesting ways in the business world. Yeah, and for those that don't know, we when you were at Rackspace, we met Graham Weston as well and built an accelerator. It's really one of the early concepts for really sort of a partnership with a major corporation to do an accelerator. Big public company, you know, leading hosting provider. You guys had Robert Scoble <laughs> making a lot of noise back then. And I remember just the fanatical, I mean, I think that was literally the slogan, right? The sort of customer service, which you sort of alluded to earlier. You know, I started the Rackspace startup program, which is really where we got involved with Techstars and other accelerators. We signed up over 10,000 startups to that program, which was amazing. And that's literally what lit the startup fire in me. I was lucky I got to speak to one of your amazing startup classes. I got SendGrid in that one, got to go to Boulder and speak to your class early in their tour with you. And, and that was just really exciting. And I hope I didn't bore them, but it was exciting for me. Even the Rackspace, you know, sort of cloud program produced some amazing companies. I mean, Data Robot comes to mind, but there are many others that 
you know, gone on to do great things that came from that help that Rackspace was sort of doing to give first to them. So what was the thinking back then? Why build an accelerator and how does that help Rackspace? The thinking was really simple, right? Nobody knew who the hell we were. So we needed to get our name out there and we certainly weren't doing a Super Bowl commercial. I thought the best way to build and maintain a relationship with a business was to start from the ground up, start when they're young, help them grow, help them become the unicorn. And we knew what the odds were of any startup being big and huge and successful and even staying with us over time. It it wasn't huge, but it was big enough and it felt good. There were worse ways we could have used our marketing budget. Yeah, like that Super Bowl commercial. I mean, we've seen some others try that. Definitely gets you noticed quickly and hopefully it's funny. But yeah, the years is a little bit more lasting impact. And I know a lot of those companies still think back to that time. And there were so many more companies that Rackspace helped with the startup program. So Accelerator was just one part of that. But I think that people remember the, the company and Rackspace for sort of giving first in that way and helping them get started. Yeah, and I'm still friends with a lot of those CEOs. You know, some of them are off doing totally different businesses. Some I met through you, Josh Frazier, a good example. Some I met through other means. And I didn't do much for these people. You know, I helped them dig a ditch. It just seems to me that being helpful is so easy. It's the easiest thing I can do. Yeah, and sometimes it doesn't take much and it doesn't seem like much to you, but it can make a world of difference to the person that's receiving it. And whether that's a simple introduction or, you know, just a quick reaction to what they're doing, it can change their world pretty quickly. So it's not hard, to your point, uh, to be helpful in a lot of cases. One thing I've found with founders is they have a hard time finding somebody that will tell them if their baby's ugly. And I'm not afraid to. We're not talking physical babies here, folks. We're talking about a bad idea. But I have spent endless amount of time and money chasing dumb ideas, personally. That's why I'm no longer a founder. Hopefully people get the metaphor. Most babies look like they're from some other planet anyway. So I think it could be in the real world too. But yeah, I I take your meaning. I mean, it's hard to get that real feedback. People just say, oh yeah, this is great. You know, really love it. But what's valuable is, you know, here's what I don't like. Speaking of building businesses, as you've coached these folks and built up companies you've been involved in, you ended up writing a book called Replace Yourself. I would love to hear a little bit about what that's all about as someone who has had to replace themselves in my own businesses and who has coached a lot of entrepreneurs to do that. And I'd love to hear a few quick thoughts about that book and why you wrote it. The subtitle is A Tech Geek's Guide to Navigating Leadership. And it was really meant for the sysadmin or the coder who maybe worked at a company for eight or 10 years and they're being hit on to become a leader, right? And that, that can be such a scary time for those people. And this could apply to not just tech roles, but certainly applies in healthcare. You know, a, a nurse who all of a sudden they want to make her a manager, never been a manager before. And most companies really don't do a good job in preparing these people for that transition. So the book is really a set of stories on how I've managed to find something I really love to do then find somebody else who loved to do it as much as I did, but they were better at it than me, and hand it off to them. And that freed me up to go do something else, my next big challenge. If you can't replace yourself, then where are you going to go? You're not going to go anywhere, right? It is a classic problem in engineering, too. You see engineers that get themselves in a position where literally the business can't work without them, which is also not healthy for that business. Right. If you've got a key employee that you can't afford to lose, 
man, you're not doing things the right way because you're going to lose that employee sooner or later. One reason or another could be a car crash. They could get burned out, which is also another huge factor, especially in engineering, right? They tend to be a little bit more of introverted type of person. So that doesn't really lend them to leadership the way we have traditionally thought of leadership. They make great managers because they're detail-oriented, but who wants a manager? Nobody wants a manager. We want leaders. And that's a different beast. And I hope my book helps people figure it out. Really, my book, I think, is more about risk-taking than anything because most of us are so risk-adverse that we're stuck in mud. We're not moving because we're afraid to move. Look at my career. I've changed my career so many times. I'm not risk-adverse at all. No, it doesn't appear so. I've made some (laughs) stupid mistakes. Don't get me wrong. You can't take risks and not fail. When I got my offer letter from Rackspace, I called the chief strategy officer at the time who hired me, Lou Mormon, and I I told him why he shouldn't hire me. And one of the reasons was, look, I'm going to totally screw up 20% of the time. I promise you. I'm going to get it wrong 20% of the time. But that other 80% is going to be meaningful. And he laughed and said, now I want to hire you even more. (laughs) Anyway, it's a very short book, very easy read, and all the profits go to animal welfare. So you can feel good about buying it too. I saw that and that's really cool. And I saw that one of the places it goes is in Colorado. So you have connections to Boulder and to Colorado in your history. What are those connections? My uncle was stationed in Colorado Springs in the army when I was a kid. So we spent summers there. I fell in love with it. Now, Boulder's one of my favorite cities in the world. And, you know, being in the Navy, of course, I've traveled the world. But Boulder's such a interesting, unique little ecosystem that for my 50th birthday, I was like, well, I could do anything I want. Literally, I could almost do anything I wanted. I said, well, what do I want to do? So I called my best friend at the time. I said, hey, let's go to Colorado for two weeks. He goes, what are we going to do in Colorado for two weeks? And I said, let's not plan anything. Let's just go for two weeks. So we got in the car, drove to Colorado, spent two weeks. He had never been to Colorado, but we spent two weeks driving everywhere. If you've heard of a town in Colorado, we went there, right? <laughs> nice. Just an amazing place. And I happened to be in Denver and I met a guy who was working for an animal shelter there, vet clinic. And that's why part of my proceeds go to an animal shelter in Colorado. Replace Yourself is the book. And a lot of business books are really written sort of generally. But I think it's cool that you're sort of targeting that engineer in that book. So I know the other thing that you talk a lot about when I've been around you is this idea of compassionate leadership. Can you share with listeners what you mean by that and and what you've observed and why you think that's important? I've never been afraid of making friends with employees. I know, you know, that can lead to issues, right? Companies downsizing, I've got to lay off a friend. And I've been there, I've done that. I've been on the receiving end of that. But knowing who my employee is, knowing what their dreams and desires are, knowing that I've got an employee, yes, she is freaking awesome at educating senior leadership on how to use social media. And that's her primary role. But what she's really passionate about is this yoga class she teaches for free to other employees and investing my time in her to help her reach that personal ambition of spending more time teaching yoga or whatever. It's just a simple example. But I think 
people give you their best effort when you put your best effort into them. And again, that also back into the book title, Replace Yourself, is I was always looking for somebody to replace me. I get bored after doing the same thing for a few years. So I needed people smarter than me. First off, I like people who are very different than me, very different thinking, but they had to have one thing in common with me and that they knew what they were here for. We're here for the customer, period. Every single person at this company, all 6,000 plus of us, are here for one reason, and that's to make that customer happy. And if you think your job, you know, I'm in HR and I don't have anything to do with customers, you are wrong. And if I was your boss, I would get you rethinking. So compassionate leadership to me is as simple as just know your employees, know your coworkers. Things get so much easier when you actually know who you're dealing with. Yeah, there are two schools of thought, as you alluded to. I certainly met the CEO who says, I, this, this isn't a family, this is a team, and I don't want to be friends with people at work because I can't fire my friends. And then there's the other extreme, which is you really want to know people and be friendly with people and understand them. But you can fire your friends. I fired a lot of my friends, and most of them I'm still friends with. Which is a compassionate way to fire them, I guess. Uh, ultimately, it, it must be to have it still be friends at the end of it. Look, I'm not saying they weren't angry for a while, but at the end of the day, business is business and you can choose to either make it a part of your life or just work. I prefer to make it part of my life. Well said. Rob, want to switch gears to a couple rapid fire questions, a little tradition we have, and you've been around the world, you've seen a lot. What's one place you think everybody should visit before time runs out? Well, Hawaii would be an easy answer, but I'll go for something a little bit more distant. Hong Kong. I haven't been there recently. I know they're going through some troubles and turmoils, but just such a beautiful city, so many cultures, and so unique in their confined space, Hong Kong. How about a nonprofit you would urge people to check out, maybe that you've been involved with, that you think is doing really great work? I work with so many nonprofits, I hate to call out one. You can have a couple. I'll call out one. The Animal Defense League in San Antonio, no-kill shelter, been doing amazing work for decades and decades. So Animal Defense League. Awesome. My dog here in Boulder is a black dog from Texas who was saved literally on the last day and moved to Colorado. And we ended up, and she's an amazing dog. So I think that's a great one. How about a person, could be dead or alive, uh, it's just a fantasy, we're making this up, that you would love to be able to have dinner with sometime? I I almost said Bill Gates, but I actually remember I had dinner with Bill Gates. (laughs) Not in a one-on-one, of course, but I think somebody who would be both fun and interesting to have dinner with, because it's got to be both. Einstein, I think he would be a hoot, and I would also just love to literally pick his brain. That's a good one. And by the way, I'm sure Bill Gates remembers that dinner vividly and uh, will be listening, so... Last question I got for you. How about a startup that you've come across that you think is particularly cool that you want to shout out? Okay. Datapolicytrust.com. What they're doing is basically creating a FICO score for the safety, security, and trustworthiness of apps and businesses online. So you see Apple's now got those nutrition labels on their apps, they call them. That's basically what Data Policy Trust is doing, but they're doing it for the entire internet and not just the Apple store. Much needed. 
Well, thanks, Rob. I, I want to thank you uh, on behalf of everybody listening for all your contributions over the years to the country, to governing, to writing and sharing your knowledge, to mentoring and giving first, creating technologies that we all use every day or helping make those technologies work. And it's been an amazing career. And I know you're semi-retired and still mentoring and everybody appreciates that. So thanks for hanging with us today. Thanks for having me. And you keep doing the great work you're doing there. Thanks, Rob. Thanks a lot for listening to the show today. We'd love to hear your feedback, ideas, or who you'd like to hear next on Give First. And please leave a rating and review, ideally a good one, and reach out anytime to podcasts at techstars.com or on Twitter, I'm at David Cohen. See you next time. Don't forget, Give First. <laughs>